Welcome to the Becoming Beautiful I Am podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Joan. There's a saying that goes something like this. When the student is ready, the teacher arrives. I'm a seeker, and I know if you're listening to this podcast, you're a seeker too. And over the past six months, I have met some powerful Christian teachers, and among them are people like Ray Vandalon, who produced a wonderful video series called God Heard Their Cry. I also met Marty Solomon, who's the producer of the Bema podcast. And then I met John Paul Jackson, who is the founder of Streams Ministry International. Now, John, John Paul, unlike the other two, passed away in 2015. But his YouTube videos I found at exactly the right time. So I haven't met any of these people. But what I have found is when I'm ready to accelerate into the next level of my spiritual evolution, I call it, I ask a question. I ask God, what's next? And over the last little while, especially as we were moving towards Pentecost, or what we call Pentecost, um, I've been praying for something. So I speak if I can decipher between them all, about five different spiritual tongues um, or spiritual languages. And over the past little while, what I've been asking for is the gift of interpretation. And God always responds (laughs) with such great insight and humor. (laughs) It's um, It's like he says, well, I see what you're asking for, but Shouldn't you really be asking for this? And it was at this point that he introduced me to John Paul Jackson and a few other teachers who are dreamers and what I call visioners. And in the end, here's what God said to me. You're a dreamer and a visioner, and that's my ultimate language. So why don't you learn to interpret that? We spend about one-third of our lives sleeping, and it is in those hours of sleep that God speaks into the hearts of men. And I've talked to you, and we've been moving through the dream I call the dark night. And one of the things that John Paul was able to teach me was this. The dark night is not just a single lifelong event, but there are actually phases or what we might call levels of the dark night. So the first dark night that a seeker seeker will experience is called the dark night of the flesh. So in this phase of the spiritual evolution journey, it's about overcoming those things that are connected to the flesh or the body. You know, the things we see, the things we sense, right? Things like our passions and our appetites. Really, they're central pleasures. So you'll know you're still overcoming the dark night of the flesh if you're more focused on those things we call carnal pleasures, sexual pleasures, the pride that comes with possessing material things or even wanting the things that other people have. So if if that's where you are, you're likely moving through this phase of the dark night. And your dreams 
will tell you exactly where you are on this journey as well. So the dream I call the dark night is the perfect example of the next phase. And in this phase, it is called the dark night of the soul. And here the seeker moves through a spiritual process that helps them to overcome the will, the intellect, and the emotions. Ultimately, we make the trip to the basement, right? We have to remember those things that cause us pain, those things that caused our spiritual death, those things that are hidden from us, and those things we need to forgive. And then we move towards overcoming the thoughts and the beliefs and sometimes the false beliefs that allow us then, well, they might be like our wall. I talked to you about the wall. But once we see what is all the false beliefs that are connected to the wall, what we begin to do as we forgive is we open our heart space and we allow God full access to our soul. So this is a time of great suffering and eventually we come to a place where we surrender and then we say out loud, not my will, but yours, O Lord. And then we move to a final phase of this spiritual process and it's called the dark night of the spirit. And this is where we give up self-sufficiency. We connect with our calling and our purpose but we still have to fight our desire for control. You know, our desire to make this unfold the way we would make it unfold. So it is here that we actually learn to tune into the voice of God. It is here that we are recognized as God's children. You might say son, but we also get very comfortable saying, you take the wheel. I can't do this in my own strength. I know what it is that you want me to do, but I also know I cannot do this in my own strength. So you give me the power. You give me everything that I need in order to do that thing that you've asked me to. So in the last dream where you saw me talk about Christ driving the car, Heavenly Father, who is the woman on the left side of the car, Holy Spirit coming in, but then the dead bodies or the soon-to-be-awakened bodies at the back. And when God interpreted that dream for me, what he showed me was that I was at the back. I was not driving the car. I was being awakened, and he would be in control for the rest of the day. And I got to say, there's this freedom that comes with actually giving up the driver's seat. There's a freedom that comes with knowing that God is going to take us forward. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. He's going to do it, not me. No matter where you find yourself on your spiritual journey, the forgiveness process that I'm going to teach you today will help you to see very clearly the blind spots that keep you trapped in each phase of the dark night. So today we're finally going to talk about forgiveness. <laughs> I know it's taken a long time, right? But I want to begin by asking you a question. How much flab do you got? 
Now, I already told you, I'm not talking about extra flesh on your body. It's an acronym that helps people understand how to truly heal and overcome the dark night. F is for forgiveness. L is for loose. A is for agreement. And B is for bind. Forgive, loose, agree, bind. Flab. Today, we're going to flex some spiritual muscles and perhaps we'll lose a few spiritual pounds. You ready? Hang on. We're going for a ride. Before we move through the theoretical and spiritual underpinnings of this forgiveness process, I want to walk you through what it looks like when we are actually doing a forgiveness and paying attention to each step of it. And I want, to notice, I want you to notice some of the things that I do, even if I'm not labeling them right now, I will label them a little bit later. But notice the things I say and the things I do. Well, you won't be watching me, but notice my breath in particular. I enter the scene, just as been shown on all the videos, and I'm zooming in on one character. Eventually, I would have to forgive every character in the scene. There's Derek Chauvin, there's the cops, who were acting with him and stood alongside him. There are the onlookers. And then later on, there would be the media. There would be those who are civil servants, who uh, the lawyers, uh, the mayor, and even right up to the president and eventually we will pay attention to all white people and black people and eventually all of humanity. But for now, we're gonna zoom in on Derek Chauvin and we're noticing something. We're noticing his knee on George Floyd's neck. We're noticing his left hand in his left pocket. We're noticing the trance-like look on his face We are seeing the intention to put enough pressure without knowing how to stop. We're seeing the lack of empathy, the inability to recognize how much George is struggling, empathize and release. Derek Chauvin, I forgive you for killing George Floyd instead of releasing your knee and allowing him to breathe. I feel trapped. I feel helpless. I feel frustrated. I feel restless. I feel like I want to run. 
I feel like a war is starting within me. I feel completely unbalanced. I feel dissatisfied, discontented. I feel disoriented. Derek Chauvin, I forgive you for killing George Floyd instead of releasing your knee and allowing him to breathe. I feel terrified. I feel overwhelmed. I feel trapped. I feel alone, isolated, grieved, depressed. How could you do that? How could you just take breath from another person? How dare you? What gives you the right to suck the life from another person? Derek, I saw the trance. I saw the stuckness in the trance. I saw the dark shadow that took over you, that willed you to take this man's life. I saw pure evil in and around you. I saw a person with zero self-control. And I am sure you have experienced something where someone else treated you in exactly the same way and you experienced their zero control. I know the violations committed against people like you. And I know how that is returned to other people who have no power, who are completely trapped with their hands behind their backs. So knowing this, I willingly, from a place of complete compassion, know this, that if you could have done this differently, you would have. So Derek Chauvin, I look beyond you. I look way, way beyond you to the thing we actually do battle with. I see into the spiritual and I see the thing that comes after you, that comes after me. So I let go of the anger, of the anxiety, the discontentment, the dissatisfaction, the disappointment, the despair, the loneliness, the isolation, the grief, the restlessness, the desire to run, the stuckness, the rage and the war that has built up within me. I let go of the imbalance. 
I choose to rise from this situation. I can't stay there with you or George. I must move forward from here. Derek Chauvin, I love you as a member of the human race. I accept you for who you are, for where you are on your spiritual journey and the very dark, dark night that you're in. I love you as God loves you. And I hope for you as God hopes for you. But I'm going on from here. And I'm gonna make sure there's not one more George that happens under my watch. I am ready to be happy and healthy. I am ready to live fully energized and to walk in my purpose. I am ready to know how to heal all the Derek Chauvins of the world. I am ready to do what God wants me to do. I choose to rise from this situation. I choose to change the world. But I do not do it on my own. My God will change it for me. I choose to live. I will not die here. The African race will not die here. I choose to be like Christ. So I wish I had you right here in front of me so that I could look in your eyeballs and I could ascertain the struggles that you might have had or the awareness that you might have had as I moved through that process. Were you questioning certain things? Were you asking why is she doing that? How can she do that? How can she say, I love you? Did you struggle with that? The compassionate understanding component, which is understanding why the person acts the way that they do, and the I love you component are two essential pieces of the forgiveness process. So this thing I'm introducing you to is rather complex because it is layered with a spiritual essence all through it that if you don't have the spiritual knowledge, you're going to miss it. But nevertheless, I'm going to do my best to make sure that you can find your way through it and even do this on your own. I want to say that I'm currently working on a forgiveness journal so that you can do a daily forgiveness, which should be actually your practice. And as soon as that is ready, I will let you know about that. I'm aiming for that to be ready by the end of June. When I first learned this technique, to me it was rather mechanical because I saw in it all of the elements that were woven into the Bible and yet it hadn't been integrated or embedded in the process. So one of the things that I did was I studied the Bible and 
where there were revelations that were being offered to me, I wove it into the process. So I do have to say that my greatest teacher has been the Holy Spirit. But over the years, and just at the right time, God would introduce me to a teacher um, that had like a, a nugget of wisdom that was a necessary piece for me to integrate into this process in order for me to move it to the highest level. So it used to take me between six and eight sessions to help my clients overcome depression. And now I help them overcome depression in a single session. And the secret to this is to know exactly what moment in time to forgive. So you can perfect the technique of the forgiveness itself, but unless you know where the room is, you will always miss the pieces that you need in order to help a person overcome. So in addition to knowing the precise moment in time, we need a technique that helps us to learn certain lessons that then will help us to overcome the dark night of the flesh, the dark night of the soul, and the dark night of the spirit. And once you evolve through all of those, you finally experience the full and complete indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So the wisdom connected to the FLAB acronym comes directly from the teachings of Christ. And this is found in Matthew 18, verses 18 to 22. I read it at the end of the last episode, but I'm going to read it again here so that if you're just joining me, um, you know what we're talking about. So Christ is speaking, and this is what he says. He says, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, whatever you bind, that is, whatever you forbid, declare to be improper and unlawful on earth, shall have already been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose or permit and declare lawful on earth shall have already been loosed in heaven. So, Notice that Christ is talking about spiritual things. He's talking about loosing those things that are good, those things that are loving, those things that are filled with light, binding those things that are evil, binding those things that are not good, those things that are filled with darkness. I'll go on. He says, And again I say to you that if two believers on earth agree, that is, are of one mind and in a harmony about anything that they ask within the will of God, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, meeting together as my followers, I am there among them. So I'm going to stop here for a second. When we do a forgiveness, you've heard me forgive Derek Uh, But the next person I would focus the forgiveness on is actually myself. So I would then focus on saying to myself the exact statements, Joan, I forgive you for killing George Floyd instead of releasing your knee and allowing him to breathe. Um, And so one of the things that you'd obviously go is, what? You weren't present there. How would you have contributed to that? And so what we have to eventually come to a place 
and an understanding of is that each of us are responsible for what's going on on the planet. And the place that I would take responsibility for this, as I think about it, is being the onlooker, is being in that place of inaction where I've seen injustices but have not done something about it. And in the same way that Derek has or Derek put his knees on somebody else's neck, there's been times when I have borne witness to a similar situation. It might not have been as oppressive and yet done nothing about it. So the forgiveness always puts um, the light back on us to see how we are contributing not only to the way in which humanity itself is shaping itself and acting, but also to the ways in which we might contribute through our inaction, through our inability to do our part. Each of us has a purpose to play out. And if we're doing it right, each of us should be shifting the world. So it kind of puts it back on me in that way. So after I look at the other person, which would be Derek, and in between looking at myself, I have to come to a place of agreement. And one of those places of agreement is this. I know I have a purpose. I know that my purpose is to heal. I know that it's more than that. It is to teach. I know that it's more than that. It's to bring peace. So knowing what my purpose is, I begin to pray. I begin to look at the spirit of murder that is with Derek, and I bind it. And then I begin to look at the opposition to murder, and that is, of course, love. So, and the, the spirit of power, the spirit of love, and the spirit of sound mind is what would have made a difference in this situation. But we see the trance, and, and so we see the overtaking and the absence of self-control. All of these elements we know are present here. So we bind the things that we don't want and we lose the things that we do want. And so in the in-between, between looking at the other person and then looking at the big old block that's in our own eyes, we begin to take responsibility, even for the very small parts that we play in murdering a person that might be 8,000 miles away. I'm going to go on now to verse 21. This is where Christ is talking about forgiveness. Uh, then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how many times will my brother sin against me and I forgive him and let it go? Up to seven times? And Jesus answered him, I say to you, not up to seven times, but 70 times seven. So it was this verse that actually led me to the title of my book, which is 490, Forgive and Live Fearlessly. And the 490 years refers to a period of time in which God operates. So the forgiveness that Christ is talking about here is for us to forgive unending. In fact, the 490 years is a separation period between his first coming and his second coming. And so 
we don't know exactly. It's not exactly 490 years. It's in God's timing. But the period of time for his second return and the first coming uh, is about that. Um, it's around that time frame. So what he was saying is forgive until I return. Every time someone does something to you, just forgive and continue to forgive. And then I would even go one step further and say, what he's suggesting is forgive until you move out of the dark nights. Forgive until you come to that place where you have died to yourself. And now you begin to resemble the very image of who I am. When we forgive, we move through a seven-step process and this requires that we become a detective. So imagine yourself as Sherlock Holmes with his magnifying glass and either a flashlight or perhaps even a big, huge spotlight. The process requires that we first notice those things connected to the five senses. So the things we hear, see, touch, smell, taste, all of those things we're going to notice. And as the forgiveness continues, we progressively move into a place where we first notice and then discern spiritual things. So each forgiveness requires that we go back to the scene of the wrong. I was going to say scene of the crime, but the scene of the wrong. And as we return, we're going to notice everything in the room. So the room can be outside. The room is simply the space that holds the event. Take, go back and take a listen to the episode called The Room um, if you don't quite know what it is that I'm talking about. But you're going to notice the people and their positions in the room. You're going to notice the elevation of the scene. Are you upstairs? Are you downstairs? Are you by a beach? Are you at the top of a high mountain? So um, you're also going to notice where the door to the room is. Um, you're going to notice the color of everything, the darkness or the light that's in the room. You're going to notice things like the color of the wall and even the pictures and the artwork that's hanging on the walls. So the artwork might be, if you're outside, the artwork might be the clouds in the sky, the sun, the moon, whatever that is. And as the scene unfolds, you want to pay attention to the individuals more specifically, and you want to pay attention to the words that are spoken. You want to know the thoughts that are being, um, that are behind the words. And then you want to notice the actions that are being taken. Um, and essentially, you're raising your awareness um, to a place where you can understand how the thinking of that individual influence their action, and in turn, how that influenced you. So as you revisit the scene, you're becoming an observer. And you have to become an observer because you have to be able to see certain things and not necessarily get caught up in the emotion, but become that distant um, that distant person that can then see the things that you need to see. So you might be asking the question, well, why do we need to notice all of these things? And that's because all of these things are your daily triggers. So, you know, you may, you may not think about the artwork that's on the wall, but then you walk into a totally different space somewhere in the future. You notice something similar on another wall, and then all of a sudden it draws you back into this moment that caused you a lot of pain. You begin to react, and you don't even know why you're reacting. 
And that's because you've just noticed a trigger. But if as you're going through the forgiveness process, you notice the triggers, you notice everything that's in the room, when you see the trigger a little bit later on, you'll know why you're having a response if you are having a response or the response won't happen at all. In fact, you might say to yourself, huh, that was in my room, but I'm not upset about seeing it. So after you go back into the scene, one of the things that I always suggest for people who are, you know, on their own trying to do this forgiveness is to write a journal entry or a forgiveness entry. And as you write, you know, you're not going to deny your emotions. You're still going to be that observer writing things down, but you're going to sense and feel the emotions of your old self. You are your present self. There's an old self. There's a future self. And what you want to do is to pay attention to the emotions of the old self. You're going to notice also the desires of the old self in that moment. Did they want to run? Did they want to fight or scream? Did they want to fall down? Did they want to give up? Did they want to feign death? Um, So after you do all this, then you respond to four questions. Um, And so I'm going to move through those four questions with you now. The first question is, what did you want? The second question is, what did you get instead? So, and this you're asking of each individual that's in the room. So for one, for now, we're going to let everybody else that's in the room with George Floyd Like we're going to get rid of everything else that's in the room. It's almost like even the car is going to disappear. It's just going to be Derek and George Floyd. And we are now going to become observers. And the first question is, what do we want from Derek Chauvin? The second question is, what do we get instead? So we want him to release George. We want him to take his knees off his neck. We want him to allow him to breathe. And instead, what we get is he persists. He holds his knees there. He stays in that trance for like the nine minutes, almost nine minutes. And then he totally takes breath. He takes life. He kills him. So what we, so then the next question is, how did you feel? And you heard me go through those feelings. And even as I was moving through the feelings, there was so much more that I wanted to say, but because I'm on the podcast, you know, you contain it just so that it can be simple. So we describe our feelings and I'll talk more about that in a little while. And then the, the, the third, the fourth question is, what do you know about this individual that would help us to understand why they behave the way that they did? Now, I zoomed into the root cause of the problem, which is evil. But there are other things like the socialization process that has unfolded, the training of cops. Um, There's also the fact that sometimes our emotions take over and puts us in those trance. And so, but then also behind that are the ways in which we were treated as children and how that then plays out in our everyday lives. So those are the four questions that we respond to. What happens after that is basically a bunch of statements that allow us to release the emotion. So you heard me say, I let go. Then to express love, which is what God wants us to do. He wants us to love him with all we've got, 
all our heart, our soul, and our strength or our mind, uh, then he wants us to love our neighbor as ourselves. So love all others, love yourself. That's what God wants us to do. So that is incorporated in there as well. Then we all have to make a decision to move on from every event that requires a forgiveness. We cannot stay there. So we need a statement that very, very um, emphatically says, I can't stay here. I'm moving on. And where am I moving on to? I'm moving on to a better world where the Derek Chauvins, those people who have been either socialized into violence or are psychopaths or are in some other way so wounded that they themselves wound other people. We make a way for those individuals to have healing, but then we also make a way for all the harm that they have done to also be healed. So we move forward in a way that marries whatever is contained in this situation with our larger purpose. So we go on to say, I choose to live. I choose to be energized. I choose to be empowered. You didn't hear me say all of that, but that is underneath those statements. To be energized means I am empowered. It means I'm filled with light. It means I'm filled with love. But as I am energized, I am now choosing to walk in my divine purpose. My divine purpose is to become like Christ. My divine purpose is also to change the world. And it's not just mine, it's yours too. So the entire process is about then helping us to come to that place where when you're stuck in George's head, you're dead right? If you're stuck in George's head, still on the ground, you're dead. So what you have to do is you have to come out of George's head. You have to come out of that state of powerlessness. You have to come back to that place where you're empowered. So we rise, we choose to live, even in the midst of this great great atrocity, we choose to live. We don't choose to die. We choose to live. And then we say, I choose to become like Christ. So we're progressively moving through the dark nights. We're progressively moving to that place where just like him, we die to self. We take up our cross. We bear the cross that has been going on in the dark nights. And now we come to that place where we give with a full resolve we give our surrender, we surrender our spirits to God and we ask him to empower us to go on and do the very thing that he wants us to do. So I think having given you the information that I've given you, I know it must be a lot to take in and I feel that there's more than enough here for you to re-listen to, chew on, ask any questions that you may have. We started with the acronym FLAB, forgiveness, loosing, agreeing, binding. And what I'm realizing is before I can even go on to the lab component of FLAB, I'm going to have to do quite a few episodes in between where I actually address what we want, what we get, what we truly get, compassionate understanding, truly releasing and letting go, loving completely, 
finding the purpose in our pain and then living as Christ. So one of my favorite verses that I teach my clients all the time um, comes from Revelations 12, verse 11. It says this, And they overcame and conquered him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony. For they did not love their life and renounce their faith even when faced with death. I always say to my clients that when you make the death wish, when you say this is all too much, if this is what life is like, I don't want to live it. What you're doing is essentially renouncing your faith. So we all have to come back to that place where we give new life and allow God to give new life and resurrect us from this place where we have denounced our faith and lost our hope uh, in life and made decisions that then worked against us, sabotaged us. Our overcoming comes with the story and the testimony, right? Out of our deepest pain comes this beautiful story and a testimony that links powerfully with our gifts and our talents and the skills that God has already given us. So the overcoming is something so beautiful and special that one of the things I say to all my clients, no matter what you have been through, you should never, ever be ashamed of your testimony. And so it is in our most painful moments that God actually creates or co-creates with us um, a purpose and a destiny. And I would say it was already co-created before because God knows all the things that's going to happen to us. But he stands there and he waits for us to choose to live for us to choose to be like him, <laughs> to be the very image of him and to love like he loves all of us. So I think what I want to do is I want to end this here. And I want to thank you very much for listening to Becoming Beautiful I Am. My name is Dr. Joan Samuels Dennis. It's been a pleasure to pass on the nuggets of knowledge and wisdom that I have uh, with regards to forgiveness. You can reach me at connect at drjoan.ca. On Instagram, you can find me at worldpeace2021. And at Becoming Beautiful I Am, there is an underscore between beautiful and I, an underscore between I and am. And on LinkedIn, you can find me at Joan Samuels Dennis, RNPHD. So until next time, rise, forgive, and live fearlessly. Thank you.